I've had a swap today in terms of uh, folders. So I, I did have a, a Sainsbury's nice folder um, that, that uh, looked really nice. I'm just going to take these off. And uh, I've swapped it for this, which I think that probably suits me a little bit more, actually. Um, you're probably saying, going to ask, uh, what are you doing? Why the different style? And that's because in a little while I just want to share something that is just from my heart. Uh, I wanted to do it differently, so it would be visually a little bit differently. And I also want to confess to you something that uh, something has occurred that has never occurred to me before, and that, I, that I've now become unstable. And uh, the reason I became unstable is that Kelly tells me uh, that on Friday night I fell out of bed. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Apparently, I rolled over, rolled onto the floor, stood up, looked around the room, got back in again, and just went to sleep. So, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've decided the best thing for me to do is just sit down. So, okay. So, uh, we're on our last ones of looking at the subject of the gospel, and uh, we're at the end uh, of the the six. So, uh, and I've got the gospel to bring you uh, to God, which is. Uh, let me do this. Oh, there it goes. There we go. Oh, hey, the old man can do technology. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 18. Uh, uh, for Christ also suffered once for sins, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you, us to God, uh, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And here's the uh, essence of the, the gospel. That's the the gospel summed up. Uh, Christ suffered. He was put to death for our sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. That's us. Uh, But if we leave it at that, then actually we we have an incomplete gospel and an incomplete faith. That's the way uh, that it is. The purpose of Christ's suffering, the purpose of Christ's coming, is actually to bring us to God. That's the final part of it, to bring us back into a personal um, relationship with him. It is all about us uh, and God. So, using these sorts of things, um, I can no longer look. Just to give us a little bit of the background to that, we, we were actually made for God. That's what you were made for. Uh, God made us in in his image. He made us in his, his likeness. That's how we were made. I know when you're looking around, it's difficult to, to see that, but actually that's true. Uh, God uh, spoke to Adam, had a, uh, a deep relationship with Adam in the perfect um, surroundings of the Garden of Eden. And in that context, there was one tree that you can't eat from. Don't eat from that one, because if you do, it will be uh, death. But I want you to just try and imagine this relationship. It's a relationship that no one else has ever known, and we will know, probably in heaven, but actually is the design of the gospel that we might have a close relationship with God. So even your imagination 
needs to run riot as to what that might have looked like and what the purpose therefore of Christ's death was and what heaven will be like. Uh, he was entrusted, can you imagine this? He was entrusted uh, with naming every living thing. That's some relationship, isn't it really? That's the relationship of trust that's given. He uh, was uh, provided for him a wife, uh, which I think still is a good thing, don't you guys? Uh, not only was that marriage to uh, to be um, uh, to to be a, 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 a sort of a, a, a delight, they were told to be uh, fruitful, and uh, I don't want to mention that any further because they've only just got married, and I'm not going to go there. That's Tim and Rachel, so just uh, behave. It's really interesting that I, I don't know whether you, you, what your relationship with God is like. Um, but it's interesting that theirs depicts their relationship with with the Father, depicts the the way of the relationship. So we read it as you know what the children do. They were naked. Uh, it says there were no shame and there was no guilt. There was nothing. There was no obstacles in the relationship, uh, and and in life there are just so many. Obstacles, but they they were able to be who they were in front of 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 God, and it's a wonderful um, relationship. But it was broken; the relationship broke down. Now, according to whether you're male or female in this room, you will probably have an opinion on who broke it. <laughs> that is for you to discuss amongst your, yourselves out of the way here. But what they did is that they they listened to a voice, didn't they? Where the voice sort of said, did, did God say you won't really die? Uh, and, and that voice still exists today. It still exists. Y- you, because of this listening, have a voice in your ear hole. And it tells you what you shouldn't do in regard to your relationship with God. And, and you should be aware of that. It's a constant nagging in your ear hole. Did God say? And, of course, they broke the one rule, don't, don't eat of that fruit, they did. And here's the interesting thing now. We get shame and we get guilt. It's uh, upon the earth. They they are experiencing it. And here's the other thing. They blame one another. It's his fault. It's her fault. You get conflict that comes in to it. You see, conflict breaks our relationship with God. That's what happens. And, of course, they blame the serpent as well. It was him. It was her. It was that sort of thing. I don't know whether we realize how much the breaking of a relationship with with God is that there's a consequence when we when we move away from God, and although we're going to look at it in the in the Garden of Eden, people think that the you know you could just stroll away from God. No, you can't. There's there's consequences to that. The consequences are not just personal. It's interesting that people even today think that if I move away from God, 
then it's just between me and God. No, no, it isn't. It isn't like that because you were designed to, to be in community and family. It affects everything. So the consequences were for Adam and Eve uh, were uh, that they were the, the cursed livestock. Think about that. This is the livestock that they will have known and lived amongst when it was perfect. Now, it's cursed. I mean, it's quite difficult to know what a cursed cow is. Perhaps it's a clean one. I don't know. Uh, there was pain, Fleur, in childbirth. So please don't blame Rupert, blame Adam and your, your original sin. So, so don't you ever come near me again. You know, it's, a, it's a consequence of sin and that sort of stuff. Here's an interesting one, just so that you might know this, ladies. The consequence of the husband ruling the family is a consequence of sin because the husband was told to rule over the family and his wife. It's interesting, isn't it, where that came from? Uh, The ground is cursed farmers, thorns and thistles, and anybody that likes to make their grass like me look green. It's just a pain. Uh, Here's the other one for you. The reason that you work is because of sin. And, of course, death came into it. See the consequence of a broken relationship with God? It moves on, uh, and it says in Genesis 3, verse 23 to 24, Therefore God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Man is separated from God. It's extraordinary. By his choice, thinking that I really do know better than God. And you can see what that attitude brings into the equation. I, I know better than, than God. This, this attitude is uh, taken on a little bit. And we see the heart of men, the, the mess that was produced because of their own choices. It's really interesting that, you know, even now, we sort of blame everybody else. It's, you know, for the way that we are and the way that it's always somebody else's fault and that sort of thing. Uh, but the mess produced by uh, man's own choices and their lack of need for God. So... By the time we get to good old Noah, do you remember Noah built an ark? By the time we get to this, it isn't just that one man and his family have been taken out of the Garden of Eden. It's that sin has escalated. And that's what sin does. It escalates. You know, it's, the, it's the joke, isn't it? Even the drug joke. Well, if we can make the bottom line drugs as a, as a, as a law... Let them have the bottom line drugs. Then, you know, we've just been open. Now, sin doesn't stop there. It will naturally, because that's sin. It's the, you know, the sin not only is a trespass that you draw over, it's progressive in its nature. It moves, it, it moves the person deeper and you away from God further. It's progressive. We must remember that. 
So when we draw the line, and sometimes Christians say, well, just give them a bit of slack. Well, you give them a little bit of a slack. Well, the truth is that, you know, you give them that slack. Well, after a while, they want a bit more slack. It's just that the line's moved. So in Genesis chapter 6, we now get, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. Wow. And the earth was filled, it's a terrible word, with violence. That's so it was. And God saw the earth, and behold... It was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. They had enforced their way of doing things on the earth. So God did try and sort this out. And of course what we know is that we sent, he sent a flood to do that. And it's just really interesting, isn't it? That you'd have thought after a flood that man would have learnt, wouldn't you? But, but he didn't. He didn't learn. You know, even after the flood, the heart of man is wicked. You'd have, you'd have thought, I mean, if any of us would have lived through a flood, would you have thought? Never again. But no. Uh, I, you get things like the Tower of Babel uh, cropping up. You know, this city, basically on a hill, in the middle of the city is a tower. Let's build it. To reach to the heavens. To reach to what? Other gods? Let's reach, to, let's reach out to other gods. Here's this sort of, not only wickedness, but shoving away of God and a reaching out to anything that's alternate that might be in the term spiritual. They did it. And God causes languages to to come upon the earth, to try and confuse the heart of man. So if we're talking about 30 students, I don't know, you know how many of them will be international, how many will not be able to understand us and how many will not be able to we understand them fully. And here we can see the consequence of it. So English, Welsh, uh, Filipino, uh, uh, any Malay, is all to do with our sin, guys. You get cities that define now who they are. I mean, how you know? Not not just let's call it Wrexham or whatever, but let's let's define them. So you get Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, metaphors for sexual practice, practices and corruption. We just I can't go in any detail, really, really with that one. Um, but you understand. Can, can you imagine this? This is a, a description of what, you know, if you go there, this is what you get. That's awful, isn't it? Because sin escalates and pushes us away from God. It, it, it comes uh, in, in the way. But in the midst of this, there is the, the heart of man that here is this God in heaven that creates man in his own image but still has a heart for the people in whom he created even though they behave like this. That's extraordinary. That, we, that this wickedness, these cities, these towers, all this sort of stuff, and, and if you like, God in his heaven is actually still going, but I love these people. Uh, and I just find that. 
And, and what happens is that you, you see something of a glimmer and a glimpse that comes through. We haven't got time to go through the whole Bible where, where sort of things happen which sort of are almost designed for us to see a glimpse of, of what it should be like. But it tends to be uh, in, uh, uh, in one pe- personal, that sort of stuff. So you see wonderful sta- statements like Noah. And it says about Noah, and he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This one man. And he, that's not just because of, you know, you know uh, Mo- Noah did his, you know, his exercises. This was because it also, in, you know, there was something in God's heart there. And you see, Abraham, uh, I will bless you and I will make you uh, a great nation. I, I will uh, do that for you. I will do that for you, Abraham, because I have a covenant with you right from the very beginning. You see, Isaac, uh, and we haven't got time to, to go into this, uh, the one who would be Jesus, Isaac. That's uh, For any of your theologians, you can nod with that one. The other ones, you can ask the theologians. The, the one who would be Jesus. You could see Jacob. Suddenly, here's Jacob, and we all wonder about the, the whole thing about Jacob being chosen. But here he is, strangely chosen. Here's the one, strangely chosen. Joseph. Joseph sees the ways of the Lord. He's the only one. He sees something of the Lord. You get Moses, again, the one who would be Jesus, God's redeemer, God's favor coming upon him. And eventually you get these pictures of these one single people and, and a partial glimpse of what God wants to do and uh, what bursts on the scene with, with Moses is, and is prophetically done in Abraham that God then says, okay, it will be a nation then. I'll have a heart for a nation uh, which will be Israel. And you've only got to look at Israel. You know, so many things good, so many things bad. And we haven't got time to go into to David uh, David a man with a heart after God and you can see these people that something that was there uh, and so man is separated from God there are glimpses of what it, it should be like what God wants it to be like yet God still loves man and it's in, in his intention to provide a way back for man so that they can come to this fundamental primary relationship with God and and that and that uh, the way that he would do that would be through the work of his son he came to this conclusion and it's the conclusion that you see throughout the bible is that mankind needed to be saved mankind needed to be rescued what from? Their sin that had separated them from God. That was the thing. Mankind needs somebody to save them. And mankind could not save itself. That was the conclusion. So let's just look briefly then uh, at the, the work of salvation. And then we'll move back on to task. I'll do this very quickly, just so that we might uh, grab hold of this. Firstly, that we were created for God's glory. Our prime role is, is part of the delight of God. And we know that. Uh, Isaiah 43, 
bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth whom I created for my glory. That was what the relationship was to be like. And that every human being should live for God's glory. That's the existence of who we are. That, so we should be the, the, the pattern, the plan, the purpose, the everything that we live for is for God's glory. Uh, that's why Paul writes and says, look, whatever you do, do it for God's glory. That's the thing. And yet, all of us have failed to glorify God. Adam did, Eve did, right across. Uh, and that's why Paul wrote to the Romans and said, look, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, it's a mess. I'm in a mess. You're in a mess. We're in a mess. That's the way that it is. And the problem with that mess is that it only leads to the same conclusion that happened in the Garden of Eden. What garden it happened in the Garden of Eden is that man turned its back on God, therefore death came into the world. And, and our sin continues to lead to one thing and one thing only, you will die. And you will live the life that you wanted to live, which was away from God, in which the Bible calls hell. You will be condemned, and you, that will be what, what you have wanted, what you have yearned for, what you live for, with the choices that you have made, will only lead to one conclusion, death and separation from God. Therefore, there needs to be a saviour, and God sent his only son to, pro- to save us and provide eternal life. I love this from Timothy. Here's a trustworthy saying, and it is, and deserves full acceptance, deserves that you do something about it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That'll do. That's what he did. And the, the benefits purchased by the death of Jesus to those who repent and trust him are a relationship with God and eternal life. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So the purpose of the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, is to bring us back to God. That's the whole purpose of it. The problem is with that is that the way that we have. So there are benefits and struggles. Let's go back to our scripture, 1 Peter 3. Uh, for Christ suffered once for all for sins, the righteous and the right, that, uh, that he might bring us back to God. And we have to have that in mind. We have to have in mind that the purpose of my salvation is to bring me into a relationship with God. We have to put that back as its primary thing. Um, We have to also see that uh, on earth, um, that that will be on earth and in heaven. It isn't just an earthly function that you end up with a a relationship with God. It's also a heavenly function too, which we'll come to. And that sin separates us from God. So what happens then in regard to this? The question we have to ask ourselves, is God good enough for you? Is God alone good enough for you? That's a huge question to ask, and something that I think is a, is, is a challenge today as, as any time. Because what we often want is that we often want what I call the benefits of God, what he can do for me, and not God. And that is a huge thing. 
So what we can do is that we can have this list of things that, that we think are actually my relationship with God, and they're not. Your relationship with God is person to person, and what he can do for you is actually irrelevant. Because what we do is that we want certain things from him, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, and that is a real question to ask. You know, what is my relationship with God like? Is it because he does things for me or is it because he is? We're on the bit where I'm sharing my heart now. I would like to hazard that primarily it's because he does things for us. We love him more when he does things for us. We're supposed to love him more just because of who he is. That's the one. Second thing, it's, it's really hard to say, but the... There still are, actually, even with salvation, things that are more important than God. You can tell that just by the way that we structure our lives. It's just an observation. It's, you, you can be condemned if you like. You know, it could be something like children. It can be work. Uh, it can be all sorts of things. But often the case is that, is that, that, that does exist. Thirdly, oh, well, I won't go through the numbers because there's loads of the other. The other one that things things come across, they they test that relationship with us, and and our relationship can be tested by all sorts of circumstances that come in. Our relationship with God, that is. So we we can think sickness, for instance, that that tests us. What what's God doing? Well. That isn't the issue. The issue is still is who God is. I, if you get sickness and if you get no, God hasn't changed. Is that not right? So who's changed then? I, I, I have changed. So sickness comes in. You go, no, that's not fair. That's not right. No, God, God is this, that, uh, and that sort of thing. And uh, we, lack of salvation gets to us. It's got to us as a church. <laughs> it's got to me as the church leader. You know, we, we live sometimes with this whole tension. Well, if God saves my husband or saves my, oops, sorry, saves my children or, or whatever, then that will be it. Then I'll be pumping. But God is. God is whether he saves your children or not. That's the truth. That's what we were designed to understand. If, if God never saves your husband, never saves your, your wife, never, never saves anybody else, still God is. That's the point. And, and the thing is, to br- you know, he's been, we've been brought into a relationship with him, not, not a conditional relationship with him. The, the world shakes us. Of course it does. When, when Adam was kicked out, the world was fallen. What... what 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 should we expect from the world? Nothing. Then wh- wh- why do we live sort of uh, expecting something from this great world of ours? We sort of almost expect heaven on earth, if you know, you know what I mean. What, what, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to lose my job. I, I don't want there to be crime, I, you know, and that sort of stuff. Uh, almost as if w- what we can do is that we can push back unrighteousness. Now, the only time that unrighteousness is going to be pushed back is heaven. <laughs> we live, actually, in a fallen world. Will your neighbour shout at you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's get used to it. Of course they will. 
They're annoyed because you live next to them, by the way. It's just the way the world is. The world, the world is like this. It's angry, it's fallen, it's mistaken, it's wrongly motivated. That's the world. Have you got this one? You know, well, this isn't, wasn't how I, I planned it to be. Well, of course it wasn't. That's because you planned it to be. And in the end, if your plans work and, and your plans don't, well, you know, God still hasn't changed. You know, it's that sort of thing. Uh, I, I haven't got, you know, I, I need is the, the other one. You know, if, I, if I've got this. Uh, life can actually sometimes be boring and repetitive. In fact, Callie said that to me this morning. She said, have you noticed that every Sunday morning we do the same thing? And I, thought, I thought, can't answer that because I know what's coming up in my sermon. But it is. Li- life is boring. That's because we, we design to get our excitement not from life, but from God. So you try to look for something. You know, if I can make my life, you know, why is my life boring? Well, firstly, it's f- your life is fallen. Yeah. <laughs> and the other side of it is that your enjoyment comes from that source. It doesn't come from another source. So, yes, it will be boring. It's boring because of the relationship with God, not, not because of what your events are. That's the thing. Events can be, you know, if I can fill myself with events... How about this one? My life is just knackering. Yeah? Let's just say this. Every life is knackering. Look at it. Look at, first of all, you have a body. That's it. What is the body like? Fallen. What does it do as it gets more older? Gets more decrepit. That's the way that it is. Life is knackering. Where, where, does, where does your rest come from? You know, the Puritans used to say, your rest comes from God. Now, if you are trying to say to yourself, if I can only change a few things on this earth, then I will receive this, then it, it won't work because, because God was supposed to be the thing that gave you rest. And that's supernatural. It's just going to be knackering, but that's the way that it is. How about your past, your now, your future? Yep, that's going to be the way that it will be. Yeah, let's put it in terms, to quote Dave Simpkins, just in using his usual uh, swear words. If you don't know, Dave Simpkins was the lead here. Dave Simpkins would go something like this. He'd say, what about your past? It was crap. (laughs) Of course it was. Of course it was going to be that way. Of course it was. Were you going to be sinned against as a child? Yes. Were you going to be sinned against as a teenager? Yes. Were you going to be sinned against as a, as a, uh, as a, a college-going university? Yes. That is, that is just the fact of it. You, everywhere, that's correct. That's the world that you live in. Absolutely. All by it. If you had a ministry time about hurt past, we all ought to go forward. You know, all the hurts, please come forward. We live in the world. What about your now? Is somebody going to do the same to you now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they will. What about tomorrow? Somebody will hurt you. Yes, somebody will. What about your future? Will they do it? Yes, absolutely. Why is that? Because the only place that this changes is in heaven. What? That's, that's it. So, I know it sounds a cliche, but how much ministry do you want then? Because we might as well have that call week after week after week after week after week after week. It ain't going to change. Unless that God is the thing that overrides those things. How about I'm not good enough? 
That's a good one, isn't it? I'm not good enough. Let's just get this right. No, you're not. Absolutely right. Live with it. No, you're not good enough. I, f- I feel bad about myself. Yeah, that's true. That's the way that you're supposed to feel. <laughs> it's true. Oh, worthless worm. Them are absolutely, all of them. That is absolutely right. You're right. Why do I say all those sort of things? Just to help you along a bit in regard to your wrong thinking. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is in God. That's the key. That's the key. That, that I am lost in all that he is. How you doing? <laughs> Challenging, isn't it? Uh, he, is a, he is everything to me. He's not a shopping list of Father Christmas. I look at him and I go, blows that into touch. That's the, the, the thing. <coughs> so, can you yet say that God alone is enough? That's the one thing. The other thing is that God's heaven should also be enough. It's not that God should be enough. That heaven should actually dominate our thinking. And what do we think in terms of heaven? Well, I think often sometimes, you know, the Bible describes the, you know, um, the new heavens and and the new earth. But I think we almost forget that we think that heaven's our place. It's God's place, by the way, heaven is. Let's get that into just our minds a little bit. Heaven's God's place. We go to be with him. We <laughs> it's not heaven about... We sort of have this jolly thing that it'll be about us having a whale, a whoopee time. You know, let's just give look at some of the things so that we can clear that up. Uh, it is adorned like a bride for a husband. Jesus, therefore, is the focus of heaven. Think about this. This is where we get lost. Uh, in it, every tear is wiped away. There's no more death. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. The body's perfect. You are perfect. Uh, and, and we can go, oh, when I get to heaven, there's, there's no more, Steve, heart problems. And it's almost as if the purpose of heaven is, is there's no more heart problems. The reason that you have got no more hurt or no more crying is that that removes an obstacle so that you can love Jesus even the more. See, hurt, uh, pain and hurt becomes an obstacle to God. And the reason that every tear is wiped away and there's no more death and that you get a perfect body is so that you can worship him forever. The purpose of you getting the stuff that you are so excited about is so that you can love him even the more and love him eternally. And sometimes what we do is a bit like the on earth bit. We go to heaven and when we're on heaven, we, we, we think, you know, hey, when I get to heaven, I get not to cry. The reason you get, to cry, you get to cry is that crying is because you are hurt. And, and that becomes an obstacle in terms of our view of God. Now, bang, what happens is that that is moved away. Think about the descriptions. The radiance, it says in Scripture, is like a rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. What, why is it displaying this? Why is it, why is it describing this? It isn't like the yellow brick road experience. It isn't like that. It isn't like that at all. It's so that you might, you might see and God might display his glory. 
that everything, even in heaven's creation, is actually pointing back to this one person, God. Think about this. Once we had a temple and a tabernacle and all those sorts of things and a synagogue, and now it comes and it says there's none of that because uh, of the, the Lord Almighty and Jesus the Lamb is there. It, they are the focus of it. It tells us further, it says there's no sun or moon to shine. Why? Because the place is full of whose glory? God's glory. That's, that's the place. You know, it, it, you look around and you go, flip, you know, God's glory. You look behind, good, God's, glo- God's glory. It's sort of that sort of thing. God's glory. Everything around you is pointing not to, look at the wallpaper in here. It's pointing you to the person. Everything in heaven points you to this one person. It says at the center of the city is the throne and, and flowing from the throne is the river of the water of life. And we all get a little bit, you know, there's a river, there's a river, you know. And it, it's some sort of, you know, we sing the song and we get sort of, this is the, this is the buoyant time, this is when I can receive. No, look, even the, th- even the river is flowing from God. It's pointing back to God. And either side of the river is the tree of life that bears fruit forever. That's oh, wonderful. There's the, there's the Eden restored. You can have the lot, guys. <laughs> uh, and behold, it's a, I love this. It says, and behold, the dwelling place of God, see his heart, is with men. That's, that's, I, I want to dwell, you know, my aim is to dwell with them. Uh, And it goes on, and they shall be his people, and he will be their God, and their light, and their joy, and they shall reign forever and ever. And guys, that's the point. That's the point. The whole point is, God will be with men, he will dwell with them, they shall be his people, he will be their God, God will be their light, and their joy, and they will reign forever, and that's the point. What did God save you for? That. So when it says, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who is say, come, and let him who is thirsty, come, you have to ask, what am I coming to? I'm coming to God himself. So what is the response to this? Okay, here's the response. Am I content with just you? Am I content with just God? Whatever happens. Great question, isn't it? Will God do as God is for you? How are you doing? Am I grateful with what he has given me even if it doesn't change? Am I looking forward to being with him? Does he come above or below my fears and failures? 
What 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 dominates me? My my fears, my failures, or does he? Am I am I content to know that I am made for him and to be with him? Is that the way that I am? I want us to catch this, that if you catch the Adam thing, our design is for an actually an intimate relationship, very personal with the Father. comes through Jesus, through what Jesus has done. That's his idea, by the way, that's not ours. That we, we are made for an intimate relationship with God. Very personal. We're made actually to hear him, made to sense him, his presence. We're actually made to see him. And people will go back to the Moses and say, no, no man can see God. That's not what happened in the Gospels. You can read that in John. You can find that out because Jesus killed that one, put to death. And he says, of course you can see God because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the fulfillment of the Moses thing. So of course you've got a whole plethora of stuff on Jesus therefore you can see God you can we were designed to know his nearness we were designed to hear him let me finish with um, something from Exodus and something from uh, Tozer then I'm going to ask you alone I don't know whether you can you've got a song for this one Phil (laughs) I don't know it's interesting that if you look at Exodus chapter 20, there's something that goes on, that I think still goes on in all our hearts. And that is the tension between Moses and the people. And uh, I, I think, uh, sorry, Exodus 19, Exodus 20. And uh, Moses says to the people, Do not fear, uh, for God has come to test you, uh, that the fear uh, of him may be before you, so that you may not sin and you know the thing it's where the ten commandments are going to come and all that sort of stuff and it says at this point it's very interesting it says the people stood far off and it goes while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was and here's the tension and I still think that although that's in the Old Covenant, that that is something of the, the heart of us. That, you know, we sort of, you know, we, it, 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 it's got a distant or an intimate relationship. Is it sort of far off? If you think about the far off one, I watch God doing something over there. You know, so what did the people do? They saw the thick cloud, they saw the thunder, they saw the lightning, they saw the smoke. They saw, they saw what God was doing, but it was over there. But Moses was with the Lord. And I wonder where, where, where you are. I wonder where that is with you. Are, you. are you content to be a standoff and whatever? Or, or are you, do you exist, as it were, because just this one thing of who, who God is? Are you, are you taken up with this, this? Is it enough? Is God... And his heaven enough for you. A.W. Tozer said this. 
It was God's will that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there, not just a doctrine to be held, but a real life experience every moment of the day. You alone. You alone. Would you like to stand while the musicians come back? Mm. That you would, you would pray simply this prayer, because it's what I'm going to pray. That you... Uh, where, where is it? The, uh, sorry, I need my notes. That, that he alone and his heaven are sufficient for us. Yeah? That's what I'm going to pray. Father, we, we have lots in front of us. We have lots in the near future that stand before us. Many of us have, have, have uncertainty in front of us. A lot of us don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. And Lord... You have designed us to be utterly fulfilled and satisfied in the person of whom you are. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you, would you help us today to say, no, uh, you are sufficient for me. You are sufficient for me. Your heaven is sufficient for me. If nothing changes Still, that is enough for me. Who you are, what you like, what <laughs> just you. The picture of who you are is enough for me. And Lord, I want to pray, Father, that we would realize the immense thing that, that Jesus went through to bring us to God, to bring us into a living breathing, sensing relationship with our Father. So we say to you this morning, okay, Lord, we come again in grace saying, no, Lord, it's all about you and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.